It takes more than reassigning pager duty rotations to a junior engineer during the holidays to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 391. I am your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software engineers who want to get out of pager duty rotations. <laughs> it's a little Christmas gift for you. The gift of on-call. Don't worry, alar- our alarms never go off on holidays. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to demonstrate more accountability and ownership? (laughs) Have you ever wished to wake up in the middle of the night or get out of that important family event that you're enjoying (laughs) to go stare at your computer? Are you getting too much sleep? (laughs) (laughs) I hope you don't actually do that. That'd be brutal. But in my experience, the on-call rotation, maybe I'm just lucky. I don't know. The on-call rotations I've been on have been almost like overly willing for people to take other people's shifts, which is good because you can always find someone to help. It's like everyone everyone wants to help out someone else. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you feel like, well, I don't know. I don't have any words there. Edit that out, I guess. <laughs> everyone wants to help out someone else. Dave, I want to thank our patrons. All right. So I will. Go for it. Thank you so much to Chase W. Norton, typehero.dev, never is not just a crater on Mars, Flamingo Emoji, I like chicken, I like liver, meow mix, meow mix, please deliver. Trash Panda, thecomputersciencebook.com, Valentina Datafold, Santa Hope, Arkansi Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Shardell, Craig Motlin, The Stochastic Parrot, Patreon.com, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Webtow, Awesome Intent, Testing, Will Angel, Ragnar, Travis, Braden Keynes, John Grant, The Unsettling Nature of Not Knowing, and Nick Cantar. Thank you. We appreciate your support to the amount that we say words every week. If you want to join them, you can go to softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon, and then do what it says there. You can get an invite to our Slack team. You can get yourself or, it, it, you know what? It can be someone else. You can shout out someone else. Maybe you want to shout out a world leader from the 1700s for some reason. <laughs> right. And shine the light on their accomplishments. Yes. Go for it. You know who doesn't get enough credit? World leaders. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the best way to give them that credit? An obscure little <laughs> podcast with four listeners. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Let's get to our questions. All right. I'll read our first one. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hey guys, I am a young engineer in a specialized area of infrastructure. I'm pretty good at what I do and I've been through some leadership development programs, so I advanced to a staff role quickly, just based on observing the age of my peers. Tech titles are completely mysterious to me, so I'm wondering how much up is there from where I am? What's the top of the individual contributor ladder? Do ICs ever become executives? The idea of being a manager and sitting in one-on-ones for hours sounds awful to me, so I'm not excited about that side, but I've heard, allegedly, that there is room on the IC side for promotion as well. I'm a goal setter, and I kind of feel like I've hit a ceiling, so I don't know where to set my target anymore. I don't even know that I care about titles that much, but I very much like the pay raises that accompany them. Thanks. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, what do you do once you've got your staff? Once you've got your you've got staff, of, staff. staff of levels. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know if you had the same image, but when you said when you got your staff, I immediately thought of a wizard staff in your hand. Yeah, it's got an orb on the top, clearly. Yeah, a lot of people think the staff word here means, you know, like personnel. But I choose to believe that it's what you described, Jameson. I like the idea of a commemorative staff. You can point it at people, and they have to do things. <laughs> it's more like it points at you when anything goes wrong. Yeah, the staff. 
then, <laughs> then the staff starts to glow. Like, oh no, there's a critical incident that no one knows how to fix. It's your fault. The staff is problem. hooked up to pager duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought you were, it's like the monkey's paw. It's like this staff you thought was going to be this powerful thing, but really all it does is light up to say you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> An executive is angry. The staff is glowing. <laughs> oh, no. It sits next to your bed at night and wakes you up by glowing and <laughs> buzzing. Yeah. What's the top of the icy ladder? So it's at, at very large companies, you'll often have principal and distinguished are kind of the two levels I've I've seen or titles I've seen above staff. And sometimes they get mixed. So there's like distinguished staff and distinguished principle and i don't know if there's a standard around that or not oh well i mean we definitely know one thing there's no standard anything when it comes to levels and titles (laughs) that's true that's fair probably the standard is some number there's it's probably like a p7 or something i don't know i've seen that more common across companies that they have numbers that correspond to levels than the titles correspond to the same yeah levels we were talking about, before the show, when we read this question, we realized we, we've definitely touched on the topic of levels and titles over the years, but but kind of indirectly. So we wanted to take a, a show today and just really dedicate it to all the different levels we've seen and what your career ladder might look like, in this case, as an individual contributor, and that's probably where we'll keep it today. Um, and we've already talked about the staff level, but that 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 level usually comes after some other levels that you get to and there are more beyond it but we got to put a huge disclaimer on this episode and that is that companies do leveling so differently from company to company so it's not surprising to hear that this listener is thinks that leveling and and titles are a mystery that's actually by design it keeps you in the dark and it makes it so you don't even know where the up looks like (laughs) It's a cost saving. Really? You think it's by design? No, I'm just that tongue in cheek. I'm just joking. Oh, okay. But it sure could be a good yeah. cost saving strategy. If people don't know where how much they could be making or what the next title looks like, they would never strive for it and never earn it. Then you don't yeah. have to pay them that much. And if there's one thing you don't want, it's people striving. No, yeah, that would be can't have strivers. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the first do you want to just go in order? There's I've seen it as associate or junior software engineer. I've yeah, and the word junior is kind of, it's weird. I never see the word, I don't know. This might turn into a rant, but I really don't like the word junior engineer. Is it just me? It's not me. You don't. You do like the word junior? <laughs> I don't mind it. Okay. For some reason, I find I really it like unappealing. It. And, and I most of the most companies I've worked for is don't it like use in, that in, Infantilizing or something? Yeah, exactly. Like junior. Like, okay, like junior. Like baby engineer. <laughs> yeah, baby engineer. <laughs> sport In- engineer oh <laughs> uh, it yeah it kind of makes i don't know it just it, yeah infantilizing is a great way to describe it and companies i've worked mm. for use the term associate engineer which yeah. is like a little veneer on the infantilizing <laughs> but yeah, it, it means the same thing it's some some double speak on top of the yeah yes and then I've seen just regular old software engineers, the mm-hmm. next level. Also, with all these levels, you can add an arbitrary number of numbers after it. So yeah. maybe some company has associate three, associate uh-huh. five, and usually the yeah. number goes up as you advance. So you can you can subdivide each of these levels. And, and some I'm companies, like gonna... you were saying before, don't even have the, the, the title. They just have a number. Like I worked at a company that yeah. just did E1, E2, E3, and I don't even know where the top was. 
Yeah. And some sometimes some of those you have companies that do both where it's like we do numbers and names. I've worked for companies yeah. that do that as well. You know, it's like and the numbers don't start at one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they start at one, but the one is there just so that you can say, No, we can't possibly hire a one. We need someone more experienced. Exactly. I was an I was an X six at my time at a large mega corp. An X six? Yep. What does X mean? Expensive. I don't know. I don't know. Expensive, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it had a title as well, but okay. I think the most infamous when it comes to lots and lots of numbers and titles among the big tech companies is Microsoft, where they'll have like, you know, if if Amazon has one level, Microsoft will have like four or five for the same level, and so you could be a yeah. senior engineer, but within senior engineer, there's like five different numbers. Oh, you're an E34 yeah. between E34 and E39. I'm making those numbers up is a senior engineer. But even though these big tech companies have very rigid and sometimes complicated leveling systems, they're at least generally well-documented, both internally and externally. Surprisingly, people go to great lengths to document these things. In fact, there's websites dedicated to aligning the levels between the big tech company levels where you can see a table that would say, okay, if you're an L5 at Amazon, that's an L47 through 52 at Microsoft or equal to an E3 at Facebook or Google. It's actually just kind of surprising to me that people have gone to that length, but I think it's because there's such a big monetary factor in these things that people have a great interest in it. Yeah. Anyway, I I feel like I distracted us, Jameson. Should we keep marching up the general... Trend sure. here. So we left off at what senior? Uh, just, yeah, no, we didn't even get to senior. Oh, sorry. Sometimes there's a mid level, but usually I've seen associate software engineer and then senior software engineer as the the yeah. big stepping stones, and then staff. I've seen typically after senior again yeah. with some arbitrary number of like mini levels in between staff and senior. And then see, let's uh, the difference between like a mid level engineer, senior, and staff. Let's take a moment on that. At some companies, like at Amazon, for example, senior really means tech lead. But at other companies, it does not. It just means an experienced engineer who, you know, can yeah. kind of run on their own without a lot of handholding and guidance. But staff engineer at most places usually means tech lead. Like that's how I that's how I think of it. When someone says I'm a staff engineer, I think, oh, you are responsible for the technical direction of a group of people. Yeah. I think that's a good way of of putting it. The other caveat is it, titles are all different, but even even more different is like you're mentioning the the expectations of performance and responsibility at each level. The yeah. same title might might have vastly different requirements. Yeah, in some places sure. staff is like ultra mega unobtainium rare. Right. And you're like this superhero that swoops in and saves the day. Exactly. And then other places don't even have a staff. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, after staff, I've I've typically seen principal. Yep, and then distinguished. And once you get up to distinguished, in my mind, especially at big tech companies, it's usually like you have invented a thing everyone heard has heard of. <laughs> like, yeah, you made Android, or you're on the IETF group that like defined TCP/IP or something. Right, right. I don't right. know. And and I, I don't know. We're probably we should probably spend a few minutes on distinguished for a moment because even though most people it is the unobtainium you know most people will never be a yeah. distinguished engineer and most companies don't even have a distinguished engineer level because yeah it, it you know titles and levels are kind of like a pyramid scheme 
in the in one way. I don't mean in the way where everyone loses a bunch of money, <laughs> but in one way <laughs> they are, which is that the number of people who can occupy a title goes down by a factor of 10 at each level that goes as you increase. In other words, there's an order of magnitude fewer number of people at the level above your level. And so by the time yeah. you get up to like distinguished engineer, you know, the exponential gets kind of crazy where it's like, okay, well, below distinguished engineer, you have, I don't know, senior principal. Below that, you have principal. Below that, you have staff. Below that, you have senior engineer. And so you, when you think about how many different levels that is, and you take like 10 to the power of that number, that's a pretty big company. And so most companies don't even have it. And those that do have very vanishingly few of them compared to the total workforce. Okay, I'll, I'll give an example. Guido Van Rossum, I'm, I'm just creeping on him on LinkedIn. So he is the creator of Python, was the Python benevolent dictator for life, mm -hmm. has since retired. So he did not have to be assassinated to step down from <laughs> and it wasn't for dictator life. for life position. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. But I'm just looking at his resume. So he, he created Python. I think he was at, I don't know if he did it at Google or not. He, no, I think it was before Google. He, but yeah, I'm he invented Python well before he belonged to any big tech company, but he did spend a bunch of time at Google. Okay. Yeah, he was a staff software engineer and a senior staff at Google. This Again, this is while he was the creator and, and like runner of Python. At Dropbox, he was a principal engineer. At Microsoft, he was a distinguished engineer. That And that fits my mind of distinguished engineers. Yes. Like, yeah, you, you made Python. Yep. <laughs> How was he not a distinguished Reddit. engineer at Google? That's, I don't know. That's the part I mean, there. I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why he works at Microsoft now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, interesting that his title was principal engineer at Dropbox. My guess is that that was the top of the list at Dropbox. Yeah. They probably didn't have a distinguished engineer level. Just a guess Yeah, on possible. That. But, like, you know, at Amazon, there were distinguished engineers as well. I knew one. There were probably a few others. But remember that, you know, Amazon has over 50,000 engineers. Well, that was pre-layoffs. You know, I don't know how many they have now, but <laughs> who knows how many. But there was one. And, and this is probably a good segue to the part of the question that says, can an IC become an executive? And at some of these mega tech companies, the answer is yes, but only as distinguished engineers. I've never seen an individual contributor become an executive in any other function. And there's vanishingly few of them. So it's just not really a career track that I think most people should even bother striving for. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to be an executive, I feel like the first answer is there's no pattern, especially if it's at a big company, because mm -hmm. there's so few people. Well, there probably is a pattern. The pro the pattern is probably go to an Ivy League school. Yeah. It might be too late if, if you haven't. But I guess my point is even fewer of those, right, than, than high-level IC roles. So it's going to be tough to follow a playbook because the, the, there's just not a not a lot of them. I do think it's more common to move into an executive role from management. Yeah, 100%. That's like a, a more standard path. So if you really want to be an executive, if that's your goal, which is a fine goal, then it might be easier if you dive into management. But if you hate management, you're not going to like being an executive. <laughs> like, that's what it is. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> in, in terms of numbers, the number of executives who get there through a management track compared to the number of executives who get there through the individual contributor track, I would 
I would venture to say that there are a hundred or a thousand times more people that are executives that come through the management track than through the individual contributor track. I feel like even when you hear about people who were ICs, like they, they kind of established their cred as an IC, this person was an engineer and then now they're the CEO of this mega company. They still were all like management after <laughs> after that. It's not like they went from senior software engineer to the... So they like invented a popular programming language and then went into management. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Maybe they went to an Ivy League school and majored in executive presence. Ah, the key to being an executive. I don't know. I'm out of words on this. <laughs> okay. Well, let's recap the uh, the levels just to help and, and make sure we answered all the questions here. So do ICs ever become executives? Yes, but only in numbers that are like lottery winning. What's the top of the IC ladder? Well, the distinguished engineer. How much up is there from where I am as a staff engineer? Uh, the answer to that is plenty, probably, depending on your company, you know, and the, the typical level from there is principal, senior principal, or some number of levels within the principal distinction. And then there's also, you know, we should probably take a moment and explore this idea of architect, uh, where I've, and I've seen some companies really adopt this mantra that they will have engineers whose only job is to, quote, architect things for other engineers, which is usually essentially a system design role where you are basically yeah. in a full time system design interview for 40 hours a week. That sounds horrifying, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> well, you also get to go to meetings. Is, ah, that, is that any better? <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, that's kind of the ladder. Um, interviews with meetings. <laughs> and you're right to think that, you know, are, have you hit a ceiling? It's impossible to say without knowing more about your company. But this is the kind of thing your manager should be able to describe at some companies. You know, many companies I've worked for just have no concept of a career advancement ladder. They just haven't, haven't solidified it, you know. And so if you're at a small company, especially, it's unlikely you've got a nice plan laid out for you where it's like, do these things, achieve these results, <laughs> you know, but if you're at a big company, that probably exists and your manager can probably give it to you. Yeah. I will recommend a book to you, which is called, I think it's just called Staff Software Engineer. Oh, is this the one by Will Larson? Yes. I'm trying to look for it. It's on my shelf. Yeah. It's just called Staff Engineer by Will Larson. All right. And the book is explicitly targeted for people in senior, for software engineers in senior IC roles. And the title of it is staff, but I think you can kind of like squint and fuzz it up and down a few, a few levels, but it's, it's a useful look at interviews with a bunch of other high level software engineer ICs and kind of what they do and how they do it. And my, my last chunk of advice here is that titles and level are very coarse measurements of success and growth in that there's not that many of them it's hard and it's kind of a big event some of it's out of your control and if you can focus and find satisfaction in kind of becoming better and doing more then that's a lot more in your control than does that get recognized by bestowing this rare and expensive title upon me for that which they might not even have a slot for. There might be like politics or you might not have the opportunity to demonstrate your your value and skills in a way that reflects, that, that, that shows up as promotion worthy to people that decide it. But if you try and have a big impact, I think that can feel more in control and, and more satisfying than 
the title that comes along with it. If that makes sense. Yes. It doesn't come with money though, automatically. So I guess if you want money, then yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Title's probably <laughs> yeah. way to go. Dave, should we move on to our next question? Let's go for it. Would you do me the honor? And just, I just really would like to hear you read this one. Yeah, surely. This is from a listener called Johnny Drop Tables, I think. Yeah, Johnny Drop Tables. Unlikely to be their real name. <laughs> Not a traditional family name that I'm aware of. <laughs> Yet, I mean, but like Smith is a profession and a, a name now. Yeah. So at some point that entered the lexicon. <laughs> it's happening. All right. How do I tell if my manager is a direct communicator or a jerk? Should I trust my gut on this? He's a jerk. <laughs> I've been working with my manager for a year now. He's fairly fluent in English, educated, and keeps up with broad knowledge of our team and domain. He often connects different aspects of our, of our work to discover discrepancies, bugs, and interesting ideas. I'm trying to wrap my head around his communication style. Here are a few examples that stand out. I refused to take on a new small project because I was concerned about meeting the deadline on my high-priority solo project. He gave me feedback that I missed an opportunity to demonstrate context-switching skills which would look good for promotion. I responded with my own reasoning, but he wasn't interested and just moved on to the next topic. Two, he insisted on a new weekly requirement for our on-call pager rotation, which is to come up with one idea to improve the experience. When I asked why asking for help on a problem wouldn't be enough, he answered that he expected his engineers to have been hired for their critical thinking and leadership skills, and that they should be able to demonstrate those. Three, recently he was, he's been leading weekly meetings to improve the on-call experience. He tends to ask very direct questions. We'll look at a bug ticket and he will ask, what's the root cause? Why do we do this? What are your ideas to solve this? When pressed, he insisted this was a brainstorming sort of conversation as opposed to a Q&A. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I'm assuming by the fairly fluent in, in English portion that they work in English and this person is not a native English speaker. So an easy thing to think about is, is there some cultural difference of like, is there an expectation of more direct communication in, in their culture? I don't know. What, is there a classic, like direct, straightforward communication culture? I feel yeah, like, I mean, space Scandinavian. lawyers. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you went to Scandinavian. I went to space lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Same thing, I guess. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard that Scandinavian culture is, is maybe more direct. Maybe our listeners can can chime in here. There, I can tell you one thing. There are jokes in Ted Lasso about the Dutch being very direct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where they say things like... It must be true. We lost the football game because we are very bad at football. And everyone's like, oh, boo! <laughs> <laughs> and you specifically lost the game because you missed a shot. Oh, boo! We hate you! <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> The Dutch guy. Yeah. Uh, I love the Dutch, by the way, for what it's worth. Just, you know, I know they get a lot of flack. Just kidding. I don't know. I don't think they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I. So I did not hear the words that your manager said, but I feel like the examples you gave, I can see why someone would say that. And it seems like I can, I can, these examples could fit into the category of like straightforward and clear communicating even on like difficult topics manager like yeah you didn't do this thing and here's it could have happened this like here's an outcome that could have happened if you did it that's fine 
doesn't sound like you're in trouble. Yeah, in fact, I I do take a little bit of issue with. Well, okay, not, let me not say issue. Johnny Drop Tables, our our intrepid listener here, set, gave three examples of things that this director has done that makes Johnny think that the director is a jerk. And the third one was that he asks questions. I mean, it says very direct questions about bugs that arose during the on-call. Like, what is the root cause and why do we do this? And what are your ideas to solve this? Those questions strike me as very good questions <laughs> and not yeah. at all things a jerk would say. A jerk would say things like, why are you so bad at this? <laughs> why did you cause this problem? But what is yeah. the root cause? That's a fantastic question for a director to be asking. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to categorize example number three as not a jerk. Yeah, that that also felt the least jerky out of all of these to me is is like it's part of the role of a manager is to help the group clearly address problems and and kind of shine a light on things that that are important. Yeah, and 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 it can be uncomfortable to talk about incidents because there's often a specter of failure. Like yeah, yeah something messed up, but if you shy away from it, you won't learn from it. Exactly. And and I think good direct questions like what is the root cause and why do we do this and how do we solve it these are exactly the kinds of questions that an effective leader needs to be asking in an engineering organization this is how you improve because so many times the individuals who are working and i put myself in this camp when i when i've been on the other side of this on the individual side we just don't sometimes ask ourselves these questions we we want to get things fixed and working and we want to do a good job but we don't often I guess I should say we get ourselves in the noise and the weeds and the trenches and many other metaphors that mean working, you know, hands dirty, sleeves rolled up. And we don't often lift our yeah. heads up and say, all right, what's the root cause? What are the systemic issues here? What are the what are the major process improvements that need to be implemented to prevent this from happening again? You know, instead we think I'm a hero because I fixed it. And and then we yeah. come to work and we expect our manager to say, you're a hero because you fixed it. But instead your manager says, what was the root <laughs> cause and what are we doing to stop this from happening in the future? And you're like, oh, I'm not a hero. <laughs> yeah. Good job fixing it. Why do we work in a way that caused it to take two hours to fix instead of yeah. an hour or whatever? So I'm going to chalk yeah, that I- one up to not a jerk. That's effective management. And you're a jerk for thinking he's a jerk. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I there is something about this why do we do this question where I have both felt, I don't know, offended is too strong a word. Felt, what's a less strong word? I don't know. Less strong than offended. Okay. That's, uh, <laughs> that's my junior Junior vocabulary. offended. <laughs> junior offended, yeah. <laughs> associate when offended. Sorry, that's associate asked offended. Asked that question. I'm sorry. Associate offended. <laughs> because it feels like it's an implicit criticism of the 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 decision to do it this way, right? Like, why do we do it this way? Well, because we thought it was right and and we have reasons and you don't understand them and, and it was path dependent. And and I've also felt on the other side, like, I want to know why the system works the way it does because I suspect it's not perfect. And boy, it seems like people are really touchy when I'm asking why we do it this way. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see how those things can kind of conflict, but I, I do think, I still agree that this isn't a jerky question. It's just maybe a defensive response to a, a, a question. Mm-hmm. New weekly requirement for on-call page or rotation. So that requirement thing, I've seen various iterations of that, that part of your job while being on-call is to make the on-call experience better in some way. That doesn't seem outrageous. There's trade-offs associated with that. And, and as long as you're 
aware of them and deliberately choosing them, that's fine. Like it's tough to do this and also say, and get all your normal work done at the same time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're kind of like taking more dedicated time away from, from normal work, which is fine. But the answer does feel like it could be prickly. Like why helping, why asking for help isn't enough to improve it. Well, you should have critical thinking and leadership skills. Sort of, I could see how you could take that as like, boy, that doesn't seem like a thing someone with leadership and critical thinking skills would say. Coming up with a way to improve the on-call experience? No, no. If you say, so Johnny Droptables, my interpretation of this is Johnny Droptables said, why isn't just fixing the problem enough? Yeah. Well, he said, why isn't asking for help on a problem enough? Yeah. Is that how I read that? Did I read that right? No, I think so i guess i don't even know what that means like is that the way to improve the on-call experience is asking for help on the problem hopefully that happens already yeah maybe sure you're not just alone (laughs) but i think the answer sort of makes sense as well where like that's not improving on call for everybody yeah if you just ask for help like that's that's not that's not what i asked you to do yeah exactly i and i gotta say like i i think I'm I'm a little ruthless here, but I'm going to chalk up number two as not a jerk either. You know, when your director comes in and says, "I want to impose, I want to implement a new program where every time someone is on call, they do one, I they they come up with one idea to improve the on call experience for everyone." That's awesome. Like, this is a this is a good thing. I, I don't know, maybe I don't know. I I love it actually, and it, and maybe I love it because. These are things I've done. <laughs> and I can't admit <laughs> exactly. that I'm a jerk. Yeah. It sounds like maybe you don't have the same understanding of what the expectation is. And so you're asking, well, why does this thing qualify? And they're sort of saying like, no, nope. think critically and show leadership skills. Yeah. I could see how that feels like a little bit of a, a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Of like, come on, step it up. Right. But also. But that's part good. of the job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sensing from these two examples so far, we've only talked about two of the three and we'll get to the third one in a minute. But from these two I'm thinking good leader. The engineers on this team are going to level up their skills over the next year as this person provides direction. It's going to be awesome. And I'm not seeing any evidence of a jerk here. And, you know, I've got some hypotheses about where the jerkiness is coming from, but it's not it's not visible to me in these questions in these examples. Yeah, I mean there's there's an enormous amount of like tone and feeling. Yeah that is not communicated here. And it's very possible to say these words and say them in a way that makes the team feel bad and perform worse. And, and that like, you could be a jerk or not a jerk. You could be Schrodinger's jerk doing these actions, but (laughs) they don't, they don't seem inherently jerky. They seem challenging. Like they're, they're challenging you in a good way. Yeah. Or it could be in a good way, I guess. All right, I guess we're going in reverse order. Let's talk about the first one, which is yeah, the first example. You were on a high priority thing with the deadline, so you didn't do it. Yeah, and they said you missed an opportunity to demonstrate context switching skills, which would look good for promotion. I feel the same about this one, where this this could be an objective truth, and they're giving you this feedback of like, hey, if you did this, it would have looked good for promotion, and you didn't. And I don't know. Yeah, and Wouldn't you know, you rather it's know this than than not know this. <laughs> this is what yeah, they think. Th- this is great. Like <laughs> again, so here we have a situation. I'm just going to put my my personal angle on this. Your director said, "Hey, I want you to work on a small project on the side." 
you know, or didn't even say on the side, just said, I want you to work on this small project in addition to your high priority solo project. And you said, no, the solo project is more important. And I think to myself, who is responsible for setting priorities in your organization? Is it possible your director? Is it possible that your director already had an idea of the priorities of these two projects and really wanted this other one to get done, even if it meant that your original project got delayed a little bit? And I think from based on the response that your director gave, yes, that is exactly what he wanted. And, you know, the, these deadlines that you have got, they usually come from someone like a director, you know? And so that means that they can be changed and massaged in accordance with the director's desires. And so I think that's what happened here is he gave you an out. He gave you an opportunity to delay one project to fulfill another one at the same time. And you just said, no, I don't want to do that. That's possible. So I think what you're saying is, is instead of saying, no, I can't, this other project has a deadline that's important, you could have said, I I can do other stuff. It's going to push this other project back. Like, is mm-hmm. that, how, how can how can we solve that problem? Is that fine? Do we need to, can you like announce that you've asked me to do this thing so it's going to delay this other project? Like what's, and instead just saying no felt like maybe too abrupt of, a, of an answer. Is that what you're saying, Dave? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's it's almost like, I don't, I don't want to be too critical of the listener here, but it's almost like you said, no, I've got these deadlines and, and I've got, I've already got a very important project without being open to the idea that maybe it's, it's okay to delay a little bit, or maybe there's more to this story than just, I have to do the job I was assigned, you know? It's kind of like if I'm, you know, if I'm leading a team and and I say, okay, here's your projects for the sprint. And then mid sprint, I show up and I say, oh man, we've got, sorry, we have this high urgency issue that just arose and it really needs to be addressed today. And the team responds to me by saying, no, it doesn't. We're going to do what we were originally planning to do. It's like, we're not going to change the plan. And I think, wait, yeah, it's my job to change the priority. So, and I'm changing it. Please go with me here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wait, this is a, this is a lever I, I can pull. In Johnny Drop Table's defense, I will also say that it's pretty common for managers to say, can you just do this yeah. thing? And in their mind, it's like a little thing yes. and they're not considering the cost of context switching or they're just seeing like, can can you just get more work done if, yeah, I, yeah. if I ask you? And that, so Yeah, so let's take that angle for a moment. Like that's definitely the more charitable angle on our question asker here and there's a there's a good possibility that's what's going on you know it's like i just want to extract more work from you for the same pay and the same you know from as yeah. far as i'm or, or maybe not even thinking that that cynically about it but just like it'd be cool if we got more stuff done hey could you could you let's let's do more stuff and and they're kind of like inventing this world without trade-offs in their head or, or not considering the trade-offs yeah yeah Exactly. But but just strictly reading from here, I'm I'm kind of coming down on the side of the of the director again. You know, the director says, I've got a high priority thing. I'd like you to work on it. And you said no, you know, and, th- and then he told you, you missed an opportunity to demonstrate context switching. And he told you that in all three of these examples, you know, you missed an opportunity to demonstrate critical thinking and leadership skills. You missed an opportunity to take a higher level of ownership on our issue resolution, you know? And I'm like, this is great feedback for you. Your director is doing something that most leaders, at least in the U.S., culturally do not do. They do not tell you when you have disappointed them. And so now you actually have an opportunity to respond positively to that feedback and improve and and probably make more money and get get promotion and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, what... Uh, again, it's such a small window into what it's like to work for this person. And and there are definitely ways that 
a leader could do these behaviors and still feel like a jerk. But I, I guess you're trying to define what a jerk is too. And that's sort of like a, you feel it in your heart when someone is a jerk yeah, <laughs> type I mean, of thing. I don't know that there's an objective definition. Yeah, but I mean, like here, I think you could you could substitute the word jerk with unreasonable behavior. And yeah. like to me, this is all pretty reasonable, or at least it could be as long as he's not yelling while he does this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I think part of a manager's job is to push for performance on the team. And another part is to create a safe environment and those are mm-hmm. somewhat intention sometimes yeah on kind of the extremes where you can you can utterly drop safety and just like crack the whip super hard to push for performance or vice versa just kind of like make it the coziest place ever that is immune from any any consequences of outcomes or output or anything yeah but so so i think what i'm saying is i'm seeing here like this push for performance and hopefully there's also a feeling of of like support along with it. And maybe that's what they're feeling. Like all I all I see is this push of you gotta do more, you gotta do better. Why aren't you doing this thing? And and not any support of like, I believe you can and here's how I will work with you to to help you get more opportunities to do better and things like that. So maybe that's a thing you could ask for to say, hey, I want to do better. How like can you can you help me on this? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I I mean the judge has has ruled in favor of your director, I think. <laughs> not not a jerks. I, I'm going to be more waffly, as I usually am, and say it doesn't seem like inherently jerky behavior. Yeah. It could still feel bad to work on this team, and there could be other things, like, you, like, like I keep saying, that aren't here. But yeah. Yeah. These three actions do not seem like they need the, the Scarlet J, the <laughs> jerk stamp. Scarlet jerk stamp. Upon their suit. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, did we uh, did we answer the question? Yeah, I think we did. All right. I sure think we did. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> what should people do if they want their own questions answered? If you'd like us to to judge whether your coworker is a jerk or not, go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button, where you can submit our form and fill out all the details you want with as little or as as much identifying information as you care to provide. Please do not include the names and social security numbers of the coworkers who you want us to judge. <laughs> we don't want to dox them. Thank you so much for everyone who fills out that form each week. We love you. We love your questions. Please keep them coming. Yes, yes. All right. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.